episode of the all things blues and southern rock podcast thank you so much for you guys downloading these episodes and for sharing really a lot of great music on the podcast um i got jason with me what's going on man hey another glorious day you know weather's been good i'm in a decent mood i gotta go out and mow my grass a little bit later so i'm excited about that how are you doing well, you know, apparently you don't have snow on your grass. I don't. I do not have snow on my grass. March you got snow it, on your grass. March called it wants its weather back. Or I should say February called it wants its weather back. Well, keep that crap up north and do not send it down to me. I'm I'm happy with what's going on. Yeah. Oof. So, you know, uh, all the guests we've talked to, you know, we've uh, talked to, you know, guys from Mississippi. We've talked to guys from Alabama. We've talked to guys from North Carolina, from Kentucky. So it's kind of like we're like slowly making our rounds to these states and stuff. But one state that's got this whole other thing going on is Texas. Yeah, Texas. So we've had Tyler Bryant, who's originally from Texas, but now has lived in Nashville for a number of years. And then, um, um, oh gosh, uh, Sean um, Pittman. He's Pittman. Yeah, Texas, and then Oklahoma. So we've re- we touched Texas a little bit, but this is our first real current live resident of the state of Texas. And who would that be? Ah, Mr. Justin Ross, who does a nice blend of rock, blues, um, southern rock, and we a little bit of swamp rock. We talk a little bit about what swamp rock may be. Just kind of an all-around artist and just also um, a a recording. You go into a recording studio as well. And just last Friday, well, this, you know, it's last Friday as far as when this is recording this. Um, It's you know, Tuesday after the last Friday, the mm-hmm. second, so or the ninth, the ninth. It's, it's one of those Friday days. was the ninth, was it not? But that's when uh, uh, Justin's new uh, single came out, right back up, which is part of his uh, record that's coming out here in May, and he'll tell you about that. You know, when you know when we uh, send you off to the chat here. Yeah, good dude. He loved music. He's played with a lot of different people. You can you can hear. Uh, the progression of his career from how they started, like when he was in high school and college and the different, you know, more of a rock genre, heavy rock and doing what he is doing now, which is really, it fits so many different genres. It's, it's pretty interesting stuff. I'm digging it. 
you know, and he, what was really cool is, and we'll talk a little bit more about this in the intro, but just really going into like uh, what's going on in the entire state of Texas musically and what used to go on. And uh, you guys will hear about that and we'll comment a little bit more about that after. On the Dallas Fort Worth scene. So yeah, there's a lot to be learned about that. Sounds like Fort Worth is kind of like propping everything up right now. Sounds that way. And you guys will hear that. And so we'll just send you right over there to listen to our chat with Justin Ross. pours with a little venom made from the night this ain't your typical shine it'll take you for a ride not like the history you've known all of your life a taste made straight from this day and that day is tonight so we're drinking cold and still Shines in the pale moonlight. Welcome to the guest segment of this episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock podcast. We've already told you who is here, but as always, we uh, do a bigger introduction. And for that, I turn that over to Jason. Thank you, Brian. Hey, tonight on the show, we are very glad to have Fort Worth, Texas native. He has a delectable hybrid of rock, soul, roots, blues, swamp, and Texas music, and very much more. It's Mr. Justin Ross. How you doing, Justin? What's going on, fellas? How you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Things are good. Things are, we got the, uh, we finally got all the, the artwork and everything finalized today. So uh, we sent off for the, uh, for distribution okay. uh, for the new record. So I'm, uh, I was really excited. We, we had a, a poll going where it was. <laughs> We had one, one thing, and we had another thing, and I was like, "I'm sold on both. I like them both, you know." And but then management started going back and forth about it, and then, so we just did a poll on Instagram. We're like, "You know what? Let's let the people decide." And so, it usually when we do that, like we'll get a you know a pretty like, "Oh, this one for sure. This one, you know." It was literally like neck and neck, and so I was like, "Okay, we got to find a happy medium here." So we just darkened it up a little bit, and we go, "Okay, there we go." You got it. You got your winner. Now, were you satisfied with that pick? Yeah, totally. It looks great. Looks killer. So, so you have this new single right back up, and we're going to talk about that. I know, but do you just want to kind of like go into like how you got started in music? Sure, sure. Um, my mom was a uh, uh, country music gospel singer. Nice. And my dad was a, uh, uh, a guitar picker from Kansas city. And, um, he didn't, you know, he didn't play professionally anything. He just knew how to pick around on a guitar, you know? And, um, so on my mom's side of the family, you had nothing but country, Western, uh, spaghetti, Western swing, you know, um, you know, stuff like that. And there was a little bit of the family that was in like, you know, Aretha Franklin stuff like that, BB King, et cetera. But then on my dad's side of the family, they had a bar in their basement, as most people do, I guess, up in the north. We don't get to have that kind of thing down here. God, I wish we don't have a bar or a basement. Oh, we don't have basements in Texas. No. Right. And so uh, they called it the Bear Claw. 
and it was uh it was a blues bar it was like red and black velvet walls and oh. a shag carpet and you know the old foam you start pop. crying it's, it's beautiful really, yeah i know <laughs> oh, i miss it smell smell like complete butt in there just you know stale yeah. beer they had this tiny little stage in the corner with one amp and one guitar. And my grandpa used to go up there and pick on his guitar and whatnot. And so that was where the fire started at four years old, growing up, realizing what this is. And then at six, started playing. And then by 10, started playing shows. And Damn, by 15, got out on the road and started playing some more. And then tried college for about six months, got thrown out for smoking weed in my dorm room. And then I said, <laughs> I'm going to... <laughs> I'm gonna go back to playing in music, I guess. <laughs> what college were you at when that happened? Oh God, you don't even want to know, dude. It was bad. You'll know why I got thrown out. <laughs> were you Baylor? <laughs> oh, worse. Oh, so Texas worse. Christian? No, nah, not even in, in Texas. Oh, or more north. Uh, <laughs> it was it was Oklahoma Christian University. Okay, okay. Yeah. See, I figured it was gonna be a Christian school. I was trying to yeah. go go through the Texas ones. And I, sh- you know, I shouldn't even have gone. And I. <laughs> I mean, I look back now and go, what the hell was I doing? Like, but, uh, you know, I had a high school sweetheart and I was in love, blah, blah, blah. And then I followed her up there. And I was like, of course, the same old college story. Like, as soon as I got there, she's like, well, it's been real later. <laughs> and I was like, well, so glad I spent 17 grand to be here. Well, might as well maybe get an education. <laughs> you know? That just led to more drinking and pot and guitars. <laughs> but it led you here. Yes, it did. Totally. Yeah. So it worked out. Yeah. So I started, kept playing music up there. And, uh, and, and funny enough that uh, all the guys that were in the band, we were all, they all went to school together. And so uh, we started a rock band up there and it you know that was where it really took off kind of deal you know i was like okay i'm gonna do this forever i've I've been doing i've been doing it all my life already it was just do i really want to do this or do i you know go back to school and you know so come 29 years old you know i was still going full on and i met my wife when i was 23 and uh we didn't get married until some, like 13 years later. Wow. So you got she, her hanging around. Well, we met, we met, she we met on the road. Yeah. And uh, she ended up moving down here to Texas. And where did you meet her? Uh, I met her in Ufala, Oklahoma. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oklahoma is a big part of your story. I guess. Well, we, we, you know, it's, it's like the middle ground. So like we go to Colorado, Kansas, Missouri, Illinois, you know, around and Oklahoma is always the pass through. And we were playing a biker rally in Ufala and we had car trouble and we were stuck there waiting on a part for like a week. Oh. And then we had like three gigs drop out due to weather because they were all outdoors. And uh, so we found a place called Gators. It was right on the lake and uh, got a free show there, you know, just doing a free show for him for food, basically. Yeah. It's like, we'll play for free each night as long as you feed us and get us drunk. And that's what happened. And we were all just young. We, you know, we're all 20 and 21, 22, 23. And, um, and so I ended up, she was a waitress and we ended up meeting and she was my age. And then we 
you know, 13 years later, we got married. Now we're going on 16. <laughs> it's like, Oh my God. You know, but no, but yeah, that's how, I mean, it's, that's how it all kind of came together. My mom pushed me real hard in singing. She was signed with RCA. Wow. And at a young age, my, my family used to do like these big musician circles where they'd have all the guitar pickers and everybody in one circle. And then in the, in the middle, anybody who sang would stand in the middle and sing the songs. So whatever song they were playing, you know, and so mom was always in that circle. So as a child, I was watching that going, God, I want to do that. You know, I want to be that. I want to sing. And she started teaching me how to sing. And then dad taught me a few chords on guitar. And then, then I got introduced to Motley Crue and that was it. Yes, There you go. (laughs) (laughs) And then it was a ZZ top. And then it was, you know, first time you could understand what Stevie Ray Vaughan was doing as a child. I was like, Oh my God. And, uh, and then it just led me down a, a complete road of, you know, Muddy Waters and Clapton and, and uh, just got me into this, you know, dirty, dirty sound that I just can't get away from. I love so much. But then, you know, also uh, a lot of like Huey Lewis in the news. I sure. That, you know. Dude, uh, Sports was a great album. Come on. Sports was my favorite album. Hell I, yeah. Absolutely. Had them all on. Yeah sports was uh definitely like for me i was just like man listen to this listen to what listen to all this going on you know and i think that's why i'm you know like today's blues rock and roll like one guy i dig a lot is uh joe bonamassa oh hell yeah yeah um i got the chance to meet him and hang out with him and you know a real nice guy not what you would not at all what you would expect and uh but just so uh, just very articulate, you know, and the way he talks and the way he presents himself and the way, you know, um, we only met for, you know, I only got to talk for like 30 minutes. Um, a buddy of mine ended up being his road manager for a long time and that's, he, he knew him. So that's how I ended up getting to know him. And then, um, but I was, I was just real impressed with his, like, like his stage and like the way he, you know, the way he plays and the way the way he, he's got his like you listen to that guy and you go yep yeah, that's joe mm-hmm. or you you know, just like you listen to you know who, whoever bb king you can always tell that that's you know three lick king it's a you know fun fact he could never play and sing at the same time you know um, that's why he always stopped and sang then played a lick and sang yeah you know um now for everybody who's listening to that, who didn't know that, next time you hear a BB song, you'll never get it <laughs> out of your head. You can't unhear it. We just ruined yeah. it for you. Yeah, yeah. I, I I remember listening to that in the truck one day, going, "Why the hell does he stop in between?" Every, you know. And then I, I never was like, noticed oh. that honestly. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, Brian, we just ruined BB King sure, for you, I'm man. Sure I did, but I. It's all you're going to focus on the next fifty times to listen to him. Dude, uh, Brian, I was noticing your Otis shirt. Yes. Dude, I love that band. Yeah. yeah right on. Yeah, we've had yeah, Boone on. We just did, we just started doing something called Quick Hitters. It's actually just goes on the Facebook page itself, like little short 15, 20 minute segments. And we just did that Friday night with Boone, with his uh, uh, Boone's his Mojo, Mojo pedal. Yeah. Uh, oh, nice. There's a guy around there, Kentucky, Edmonton, that makes those. Uh, was analog pedals analog pedals yep. oh all right but yeah so yeah. he both him and steve got pedals and then uh chris from blackstone cherry too so, so justin how do you know of otis 
man, a uh, buddy of mine named Gary turned me on to him. He said, man, you should really check this band out. And uh, at the time, he, I, I mean, I, I'm just now getting it. You wouldn't believe it because we're sitting here on a Zoom call, but just probably in the last 10 years, I'm really getting into the technical world of, you know, like, you know, I still had a CD player for a while and I didn't want to transform and I had a Blackberry and, uh-huh. you know, like I thought Blackberry was enough, but then I got an iPhone and I was like, oh, I'm sucked into the world. <laughs> I can't look away from it, you know, but uh, yeah, he handed me a CD and I popped it. It was a burn CD and I popped it in. I was like, oh my God, this is great. And, uh, but yeah, great band. Great yeah, band. for sure. I think, um, oh gosh, uh, who did, one of their liners, uh, one of the ZZ Top guys is a big fan of theirs. Um, who was it that put something on their on their liner for him? Brian, do you was remember? Billy Gibbons? I, th- I think it was Billy. I think it was Billy, yeah, now that I recall. So he likes those guys. So they had it on, on their webpage right now, like a little quote from Billy. Yeah, man. I wish Billy would give right, up, uh, right back up a big old banger. God. Is he a Fort Worth guy? Is he a Dallas? Where's Billy from? I think he's down south. Okay. I mean, if I'm if I'm correct, I think he lives down in the hill country. All right, so All down right, yeah. towards Austin way, you know. Um, yeah, man. That out of all the bands, I would say that Huey Lewis and ZZ Top were definitely the top two. You know, that did it for me. Was oh, song. sure. That's why I like you know having saxophone and songs, but I don't want to have a horn section. You know, I want to have keys, but I don't want to have a screaming organ. I'm either going to have a screaming organ or I'm going to have a piano player. One of the two. I don't want to have both because they're two different players. It, it feels like to me anyway. And uh, I had a guy playing on this, this record, uh, Steve Hammond. No, no pun intended. There. I was going to say, the organ player Hammond, really? God, that dude can play. And I was like, okay, well, I'm convinced because he'd be playing piano on one hand and he'd be playing the organ on the other. And it sounded like I had two players in the band. And I was just like, man, you something wrong with you dude <laughs> something wrong with you to make it sound that good you know uh he was playing the bass lines with his feet so he's playing the bass lines oh, yeah up, playing the, the tops up here and then he's playing the tops of the piano over here and he's playing the bass lines for the organ and for the for the key for the piano with his feet so his left foot's doing one the organ his right foot's doing that I was just like where'd you find that guy I, unt man <laughs> U-N-T, yeah that's that's where all the musicians are coming out of you know they're spending years up there going to college and then they come out and go man the music world sucks <laughs> <laughs> what did i do what did I, you know it's like hey didn't have to go to college you know go to dallas figure it out <laughs> go play adairs for a night see what happens you know but uh yeah, man, it's it's a it's a great record. It's, it's fun for me. I had a band called Big Casino for a long time, and um, we had like fifteen songs on that record, and it was so mashed together the way we put it together that there were five songs on that record that stuck out to me. And when that band broke up, we took the CD, we took the the track sound offline, and. Um, a lot of people were pissed about it. They were like, man, what happened to my music? You know? So for years they've been asking, when are you, you going to, you know, are you ever going to release, you know, take you for a ride or, you know, stay with me or load it. Are you going to release those again? So I said, well, we're going to redo them. Well, we're going to redo them. And so we did. And we're putting it on this record. And oh, uh, nice. 
So you have tw- you'll have a tw- total of 12 songs on this record. And uh, man, it is front to back, just a good rock and roll, blues rock and roll. You know, that's what it is. With, so with Big Casino, the style of music you were doing any different than what's coming out on your solo album? You know, it, re- it really wasn't. It was like, because even when we had Justin Ross band before Big Casino, you know, we were playing rock and roll. And there was a small time in there where uh, we fell into the country, Texas country phase. And that's because of the, it was like, you were either going to play that or you weren't going to play period, mm-hmm. you know, and we didn't really have a choice. And we had a management group and they forced my, you know, they were forcing my hand and the band's hand and they're flashing diamonds in their face. And we were like, do we do this? Do we do this? We got through with the record. It was called Modern Day Outlaw, and I hated it. I hated it so much. And then, like, halfway through pushing it, I went to management. I said, you know what, guys? I'm out. This is not what I do. I sound like, I don't know. Can we cuss on this thing? Yeah, yeah of course. We don't have sponsors. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> I was like, man, I sound like shit. We sound like complete shit on this thing. My band sounds like shit. That is not the way we play. You're 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 overproducing the hell out of this thing, and it it's not right. And I was like, and people know people that around here know. They're like, yeah, but you know that doesn't make you know people around here don't make the masses. I said, yeah, I get that. I understand what you're saying, but I know <laughs> this is the thing. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I know that when I get on that stage and I have to sing like that this is garbage, you know? So I, I, I broke contract and got out and then, uh, they had that, they put, they went ahead and pushed that single for a year or the album for a year. And we didn't do one single show. And at the end of it, they were like, well, you want to buy us out of the record? I go, hell no. They're like, well, we're going to leave it up. I was like, how much do you want? And they were like five grand. That's what we put into it. I was like, here's 5,000. I'm going to buy it, but I want it taken down immediately. And I got, I burnt every damn copy we had of that thing. I put it in a bonfire out in the field and was like, get rid of this shit. I don't, you know, people ever hearing that. And you can still like go to Google and put in Justin Ross, modern day outlaw. And you'll see like the album cover come up and you'll see how cliche it is. It's like Justin Ross and the nautical stars and the train tracks going off and it's black and white. It's, it was just like. Googling it. Yeah. It was like, what was our next step? Throwing affliction shirts on and cowboy hats? Like, you know, like what what are we doing? Um, and I'm sure maybe somebody's got it out there in the world was like, oh, I'm gonna put this up there, you know. Sure. It's like the black and white train track. Yes. You seeing it? I'm looking at it right now. It's like some originality. I'll give you that. Lacking? It's like they pulled it directly from Google. Like they're just like <laughs> Well, let's get some train tracks in here and then uh we'll put some squiggly lines on the side throw his name in the middle couple stars yeah a couple nautical stars we'll just call it a day i was like man it is almost the affliction shirt like the it um is. Font. it is <laughs> it's so bad it's so bad see now i can never unsee this either okay, there was I'm one song on there that that i got to like just fully produce the whole thing and it was called the rain and if anything ever came back from that record it would be, it would be the song the rain okay it was such a great song it really was a great song but everything else on there was just like, and i still get like some people to this day you know they're like you know hey will you play junction texas no i will not play that song <laughs> 
I will absolutely not. Have you been listening? I got 40 other songs past that now. Like, but um yeah, so we kind of went so we you know, after that, we just kind of I just said, man, we're just we're just just screw what they were saying, guys. Let's just go back to what we were doing. Sure. And so it was kind of light rock, rock and roll, and then it just the more we kept playing, the heavier it got until uh until big casino came around and then it got really heavy you know okay. we, were, we were rocking a you know we had drums bass keys organ a uh, guy on harmonica uh two guitar players three chick singers like wow real big yeah and uh we would either go do it as a three-piece a four-piece or we'd take the whole band with us you know and um and then that got down it, it you know it just big casino just kind of dispersed and everybody went their separate ways and i took a break for a while i was just like well what am i gonna do now do i keep because i do a lot of acoustic shows mm-hmm. and those were paying the bills and i was like well i can ride that train for forever you know but i really want to get back to you know playing rock and roll and so uh a good friend of mine talked me back into it and i didn't take much said hey you should be playing rock and roll and i was like you're right we should do this you want to have practice next week okay cool let's do that you know and then you know two years later we started recording <laughs> you know? so um now it's uh it's full full steed ahead and don't look back and the team's like bigger than ever everybody that jumped on board on this team is all good people uh you know big shout out to Paige. i mean that's yeah from this uh her grandmother liz gregory uh paul folks my manager with 3di design uh i mean the whole crew that helps run this studio late Autry and everybody it's just i mean everyone's everyone's on board and, I, and it's like the first time in my career where i feel like all the chips that were just kind of floating around just kind of all fell into place like we're gonna release this record we've already got we've already i got a thing over here we got 17 more songs to record this summer wow wow and so we're going to release another record in the fall and then the the plan is to release another record in the spring you're doing like the full because you said this this one is coming out 12 tracks you got and i think we're gonna do another 10 and then another and so you're getting 32 songs within you know a span of a year coming out and then uh you know, by that time, we're also shooting music videos. So the album's going to be called Into the Dark after the single Into the Dark. Okay. And there's a music video for that. And it's the only ballad that's on the record. Hmm. You know? And uh, really cool song, really tells a good story. There's a lot of uh, a lot of lines in that that'll tell you a lot about where I've been and what I've done and that kind of deal. And so... Uh, there's a line in there that says uh, I've met all my heroes, but all my heroes have let me down, you know, and that's, it's just kind of, li- you know, a live and learn things, you know? <laughs> and so I mean, do you have a specific experience or experiences that, that pull that layer from? I've only met one guy that I looked up to, you know, it, it musically, you know, growing up, I ended up playing a show with him later on. That was Aaron Lewis. Oh yeah. From Stain, and, right? Yeah. And Aaron and I kicked it off and hit it off really well. Yeah. I mean, just, built a beautiful relationship and we've had great things going but you know i'm not going to say names but the the artists that i have met that i looked up to growing up i was just like man what a dick you know like not and it's not like it's not like you know i was fanboying the guy 
Sure. It was like, we got put on shows together. Yeah. I was his direct supporter. I was his opener. You know, we'd be sharing a green room or something like that. And I would just say, Hey, I'm, I'm Justin. Nice to meet you. You know, appreciate you letting me open up for you. And he'd be like, yeah, man, that's cool. I mean, I, I, one of them was, is notorious. I still love him to this day. I still listen to his music, you know, fuck it. It's Ted Nugent. <laughs> I, w- I was wondering if it was going to be Nugent. <laughs> it was Nugent, and he's such a dick, but I love him. I, it's, it's, the, it's like, it's a love-hate relationship. I believe that. He does yeah. have good music, but he is an asshole. So. If you go back and listen to our episode with the band Southern Governor, they got a... They almost got, yeah, their dad almost got in a fist story. fight with Nugent's <laughs> manager. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, Nugent, I mean, it just, it just, you know, and it's not like you expect anything out of it. I don't expect him to sit down and be like, let me, let me tell like, you. Hey, we pre- I appreciate you being here. Nice to meet you, man. I dig what you're doing. Something like that. Yeah, right? something. Yeah. But it was just like, you know, and I, I think I say all this, but I think it's just a typical nude situation. Um, I play in another band called Sidecar, and Johnny Cooper and I front that band. And it's I say band, it's him and I. It's, it, we do it all acoustic, and it sounds like a full band playing. We record everything live on loop stations, and, and it's a lot of fun. And it's a great side project, hence the name Sidecar. Mm-hmm. And but his band, uh, his band under Johnny Cooper years back opened up for Nugent and that's a fucking great story because he comes out Johnny comes off his bus or, and sees Nugent and he's walking across and he's like hey man thank you for letting me open up for you and he's like hey no problem you sounded great up there and then Johnny's guitar player like fanboy he was like man I gotta tell you dude you're the reason I play guitar and he, Nugent just looks at him and goes well, that's cute but I'm yes." <laughs> but I'm the reason I play guitar <laughs> and I'm like, that's, that's uh, a good thing to say. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, but I, you know, 39 now. And, uh, I don't, I don't have any intentions on stopping and I, I don't think I can. I've tried stopping. I've tried to get a real job. I mean, I went and worked productions and run sound and joined the other side of the fence and worked in radio and, and, um, you know, it was, <laughs> at the end of the day that's all i could think about was getting back on stage and playing and uh music is music is worse than cocaine it really is i mean it's it's like once you've done it for so long there's no there's no getting rid of it you're always (laughs) gonna crave it always you know and uh so here we are so i'm i'm excited for what's coming up and i'm excited for what the team has in store for everything so 30 songs in the next year that's amazing i still can't get over that 32 32 songs in the next year. yeah so they're like ryan adams you just go to the bathroom and you come out with three songs um hey you called on me <laughs> i was like I, was trying to get I thought you were like pointing. Me. I was like, what's behind me? What's going on? <laughs> no, I just want to go real quick. If we could go back real quick when you talked about like, how do you start playing shows at 10 and go on the road at 15? Oh my God. So, uh, so my dad, so when I was six, I started playing. And by the time I was eight, I was playing with a guy named Travis, God rest him. And uh, Travis and I, he was about four years older than me. And he had been taking like severe lessons with his teacher. So I would get with him and he was teaching me everything that he learned in class. So I was basically getting free lessons and I was 
I've, I've still got a couple of video VHS tapes of like Stevie Ray when he played city limits where he's, he's playing voodoo child and he does that walk down one handed. And there is a burn mark on that tape of me rewinding it so many times watching exactly how he did that. And just watching it just fret for fret, watching him go down. And, um, so by the time I was 10, dad was like, all right, let's put you in a, like a talent competition, you know, something like that. So, the school that I was going to had, uh, you know, a talent show. And so I ended up playing the talent show and, um, God, I'm trying to remember what I sang. Oh, Jesus Christ. The first one was a country one. It was country. My mom wanted me to do a country song. I did two of a kind working on a full house by Garth Brooks. And, uh, <laughs> on the next one, the next, there was two that year. They did one in the fall and they, then they would do one in the spring and the next one i was like i'm gonna play voodoo child that's what i want to do and so i came out just and how old were you i was 10 wow yeah and so uh and then by 11 i just started palling up with guys in my neighborhood that you know one kid wanted to play drums we didn't know what the hell we were doing really but that we kind of did you know, and we were just trying to learn songs and a lot of the stuff we were learning was Sabbath and Metallica and, you know, Alice in Chains at that time was starting to break in. And so we were listening to that. And, uh, and then by the time 14 rolled around, you know, we were heavy into Stone Temple Pilots and, and, uh, uh, God, what else? Pearl Jam, you know, um, I became a veteran fan there for a while, you yeah. know, and still am still am um and that last album they put out last year was really good i yeah totally i totally agree with that you know and a couple of bands that i really enjoyed that came out were like seven mary three like i don't think they got yeah. credit you know they, they were they had like a heavy southern rock sound to those guys did. and that's what always attracted me was these southern because i love zz top so yep. like I want it. I that's what I want to want to hear. So like bands like that, and I hate to say this, but even like when Nickelback first came out, their first record, The Curb, sucked horribly. But when they released a state and they released uh God, what was that song? It was uh something uh oh leader of men. When that was their first single that went out, I remember hearing that and going, That's a really southern tune. But then what intrigued me is they were from Canada. And right. I was like, where are they right. getting this sound up there? Like, that's that's the thing you would hear down here, you know? But just that style started coming in, and, I, and that really got me on the, on the like, well, we play such gritty rock and roll, you know? And we were playing with a lot of, a lot of like, the local bands at, through high school were all punk bands. So mm-hmm. you had a lot of guys that were into the Ramones and, you know, all the way to like no effects and MXPX to, you know, all these other bands. And, uh, so you, you had like, you know, your stages of dudes that hung out. It was like, you had your metalheads, you had your grunge guys, and you had your jazz dudes that played blues and all hung out because we were all in jazz class together. And then you had, you know, country, you know, not really country musicians, just country folk, I guess is what you'd say, you know? And, um, and your, your alternative crew. And so we were all constantly in this three cities, just trying to play around each other, you know? And then, uh, and then that kind of burnt out towards the end of high school 
and then that's when I went to college and that's when I met all the guys up there. And then, you know, but the shows down here when we were kids were just wherever we could play. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes it was setting up in Bobby's garage and, you know, his mom and dad would buy a keg of beer and all the kids would come over and drink and we'd play punk rock in the garage for hours, you know, and it was just whatever we could do. You know, we were all sharing amps. Uh, I think one time we went over to this guy's house. Oh my God. He had a um, record player, big old silver stereo. Right. And on the front of it, it had a mic input and it had a, had a headphone input and he was running on quarter inch he was running out of the headphone input into the back of a speaker cabinet and was gonna catch fire at any point and was plugging a guitar in through the microphone part with bass treble mid gain eq on there it worked as an amp but it was probably only like 20 watts maybe you know but still it had this just fiery grungy huge sound and that's how I hear it in my head now. But if I go back 20 years, probably terrible. Yeah, <laughs> it's absolutely but, terrible. Yeah, no doubt. But, uh, you know, we, uh, we just we just grew up playing. It wasn't until Oklahoma where things got really serious. And that's yeah. where when Soko was playing, uh, Soko was my old band. And um, and, uh, you know, we were playing around town there with guys like Headroom and Hinder and before Hinder even did anything and uh animation and a bunch of these metal bands and and whatnot and and we were kind of a a southern rock power rock band it's it's like we had this chevelle sound with southern rock added to it and it was really cool it was a lot of fun and um and then that band dispersed and then i moved back to texas and then just kept doing what i was doing and here we are years later still playing rock and roll Heck yeah, man, for sure. And, you know, listen to a couple of things that you had out. I'm digging it. It's definitely not quite that heavy metal tinged um, Southern rock. It's a little bit more, you know, blues and, and rock and Texas kind of swamp rock, I guess I'd call it. Swamp rock. Yeah. You know, we hear that one a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is a compliment because you've got that. When you get to the swamp rock, it's like uh, CCR had a little bit of the swamp rock and some other bands like that for sure. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I mean, yeah, CCR was, I mean, come on. Yeah, right? I don't know what Southern Rock or Swamp Rock, rock means, but I know when I hear yeah, Right. Yeah. Right? Totally. I mean, even, you could even say Stones were in that for a while. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, they definitely had stuff you can consider I mean, Swamp Rock. Give Me Shelter. You know, give Me Shelter was like, you know, I'm, I'll never forget that, hearing that song that first time. There's a, there's a little secret part in that. You guys probably know it already, but in that song, in the part where the girl is, you know, seeing it, she's just, it's during the solo. It's during the big, the big part of the song. You can hear her going nuts. And then all of a sudden you hear Mick Jagger in the background. He's like, yeah, <laughs> like he's just so into it. And I'm just like, man, what is doing like those vocal runs on there yeah, in the background? Like, yeah. You know, I'm getting way up there. Yep. And then she hits that real big one, and he's just like, "Yeah, you know." <laughs> I'm just like, "God, I'd love to be able to fly on the wall in that place." Jesus, but you're big. You like Stones, big Stones guy. 
I like Stones, man. I just like good records. I like getting good music. You know what I mean? And when I hear it, I'm just like going to become a fan of it. There's stuff that the Stones did that I thought was terrible. Sure. You know, and, what's and, their stuff uh, in the 80s and beyond? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Brian. Brian's a big Stones guy. I'm like Exile on Main Street, yeah, Sticky Fingers. Just, like, oh, Exile? Beggar's yeah. Banquet through like Goat Sand. Oh, my. But Beggar's Banquet's awesome. I cannot believe you just said Exile. Exile. Oh, uh, what is it not kiss you all over it's uh that's the band exile we're talking exile on main street yeah exile oh. on main street, not the, not, yeah <laughs> well the other, we were playing at this place there's this little place down the street it's called blue bayou and johnny and i've been playing there for six years every other wednesday and unless we're gone on the road we're there you know and it's such a backwoods you talk about swamp rock this is it, it's called the blue bayou because it's in a swamp like of, of the lake like it's what it is this guy comes up and he's like he's like so what kind of music we're we gonna hear tonight and i've never seen this dude before and i was like yeah he's an older guy he's got to be up mid 60s you know maybe pushing early 70s and he's like he's like what are we gonna listen to tonight i said well i play you know blues and rock and roll and johnny's more kind of a pop and rock and roll you know, tonight's a singer songwriter tonight or writer night, and we we do all originals tonight. We'll do a couple of covers. And he goes, he goes, you remember the band Exile? And I go, yeah, because what was the single they had? They had the um, oh, boy, uh, kiss you all uh, over. I don't think it's kiss you all over. Kiss you all over. No, I don't think it was. It was that's the not other. the name of the song, but that's the song you're talking about, right? Is it? Is that Exile? Yeah, I think. That's I think that's it. And he goes, he goes, I'm the lead singer of Exile. Really? And I was like, get the fuck out of here. You're not at Blue Bayou with the Eagle Mountain Lake. No way. Yeah. And he was like, no, I was the lead singer of Exile. And I was like, you can't mistake him because he's got a big old fucking snoz. It's huge. You know, it's like it's like he's just been punched in the face a lot. <laughs> and then like I saw some pictures of him and I was like, God damn, that is him. Like, son of a bitch. And then I find out from the owner, Deborah, she's like, Oh, that's we call him Hawaiian Bob or no Mexico Bob. That's Mexico Bob. And I go, why do you call him Mexico Bob? He's not, it's not, he's not Chicano. And he's like, she's like, cause he's got a house down in Mexico and he's like there one week and he's here one week. He goes, she's, he's usually here on the weeks that you're not here. And I go for six years, <laughs> she goes consecutively. And I was like, Oh wow. No shit. No. And I was like, wow. I said, you know, that's the lead singer of exile. She goes, get the fuck out of here. She didn't even know. And I was like, no, really, that's what he told me. And now look at the picture. Now look at him. Like, and she's like, holy shit, that really is him, you know. So and it is Kiss You All Over. And they also had another song called Kiss You. But you guys are talking about Kiss You All Over. I'm confirmed. Yeah, that's the one. <clears throat> Woke up in love. I remember that one too. Yeesh. I'm gonna I'm gonna go down a dark rabbit hole later on after the podcast. <laughs> I have a feeling. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> My wife's gonna be very angry. <laughs> so what's going on musically in dallas and fort worth what can you tell us about you know other bands around there or blues guys or well my okay so you guys you know i'm sure you've heard of michael lee who was on the voice uh a couple of years back michael lee's been playing around here for forever you know you can find pictures online of him with hippie hair and wearing a star's hat backwards and uh he uh you know, he just, uh, he played, he did, played all the blue circuit around here forever. And then he did the voice and he blew up and got pretty big. And then now he's, um, 
he's doing more writing these days than he is doing covers, you know, but he's part, I bring him up because he's part of like, there's a group of guys in this town that all know each other. Chet Stevens, Chris Watson, uh, Johnny Cute, myself, Michael Lee. There's, uh, geez. Um, I can't remember his last name. I think it's Delegard, Eric Delegard. Anyway, there's, there's a bunch of blues players and rock players around here, but you know, we kind of all keep to ourselves because there's nowhere to really, now there's keys lounge on the south side of fort worth that does a great blues jam and then there's the uh, patrick smith plays with a band um over in dallas at i think it's eight years or no it's the freeman that's right the freeman jam on sunday nights and they do the the blues jam over there but as far as just getting to go see a rock show what's happening here is you've got a ton of people that are moving in here from all over the country. California is a lot of it though. And they're moving in. They've been going to Austin and Austin is starting. Austin is nothing like it was in 95 period. It is not like the history has gone. It's uh, it's man. It's sad. And I feel bad for the musicians that are moving there. I mean, this is, this is, this is Los Angeles, 1998 when everyone still holding on to the dream that something was going to happen like it used to in the eighties. And so they, you know, everyone's been moving down there now granted on the outskirts of Austin, it's gorgeous down there. You got the Hill country, you got all the crystal rivers, like it's beautiful, but the music scene is, it's still huge. So, I mean, if you've got a name, you can go down there and play. Like if you're Gary Clark jr, you can go down there and play and sell out, you know? Yeah. Um, but just to even get a gig, just to get one that will let you in the door, let alone pay you, is a stretch, you know. And you start seeing this this thing where people are bands are you know bands, artists, etc., are trying to get shows down there, and they just keep holding on to that hope and keep holding on to it. Like I'm gonna get a gig, I'm gonna get a gig, I'm gonna get, and then they finally get one. And they're like, all right, this is it. And then, you know, they're let down because it's just another gig. You just get done at two and, you know, then you pay your tab and go home. And you find out you didn't make anything on the door. And, you know, they covered enough to cover the sound guy, the door guy, and, you know, that's it. And so Fort Worth is really become the singer-songwriter's town, you know, and... Uh, the West Seventh District, you got a lot of venues down there. Magnolia area, you got a lot of venues down there, and it's all singer songwriters. You know, I would say I would be willing to challenge Nashville in the sense that we've probably got more and better writers in Fort Worth than Nashville, huh. presently. Yeah, because it's just ever turning. You're just ever seeing these guys come out of the woodwork and playing and killing it. Just sounding, they just sound incredible. Um, Justin Biltonin from three doors down came down and did some shows last year. And him and I did a couple of acoustic shows together. And you could tell that he was on the Nashville tit basically. I mean, it was, he wants to do country music, Mm -hmm. but the songs he was singing were, you know, I love the guy to death. Don't get me wrong, but it was just, they were straightforward, you know, typical. You could tell this is Nashville, you know, and I think he saw it when he came down. He was just like, shit, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle of a bunch of writers, but also musicians this is where you get, 
these guys are writers and good guitar players and good bass players and good drummers and they're tasty and they know how to do it right you know even your worst texas country band is b-list players that are really good you know and so uh it's it's hard to uh it's hard to get shows around here unless you have a name and not to say that I have a name or toot my own horn or anything. I've just been working around here for forever. Well, you're known in Indy, man. You know, your so, name is there. So my name is here and there's certain venues I play that I've got on a rotation, you know, and it's like, I stay on those shows for Texas, but our goal right now is to get, get out of here and go play, yeah. you know, overseas or get out of the East or go North, you know, cause, um, as a rock band, it is so hard to get any love. Oh, you for know? sure. Yeah. I mean, that's why Brian started this podcast. I say this every fucking episode, but it's true. That's why Brian started this podcast. He loves the music, gives artists a venue to get out, get their name, and like talk to cool people like you. Trying to promote yeah. them. And that's yeah. awesome. I mean, and please don't stop. We won't. Yeah, we don't stop. stop. No. Just, there is so many good young rock artists or good just new rock artists and not even young good new that until i was started being part of this podcast i had no clue about it i love rock music but you there's nowhere to find these guys are not on the radio no. they're not on tv you know but there's a great scene you know georgia thunderbolts otis you know i just saw them dirty roses in concert this past week uh, Black, we're talking to so many bands blackberry smoke there's blackberry a, smoke are one of yeah. our favorite bands oh they're the yeah. flagship they are the flagship yeah awesome uh even and i will say this too like uh whiskey myers is yeah. you know yeah. they, they get thrown in the country side of it a lot but holy shit man they're a rock they're a rock band through and through yep. there's yeah. no doubt now you go see one of their shows it's it's you know you're like Damn. I'm gonna, as long as they keep this tour going i'm gonna see them yeah, I think some of the like southern rock bands that, that aren't even from the south that I think are fucking badass, like uh, Shaman's Harvest. Never heard of those guys. Awesome. Never heard of them, yeah. Fuck it. Holy shit. They're, I mean, they're so good. Uh, but one that's like just gritty motorhead kicking in the teeth rock and roll, uh, Monster Truck from Hamilton. Yeah, Canada. I saw yeah, I love those guys. Once. I love Monster Truck. We were playing, we were playing in Calgary. And we were playing at the Great Eagle Casino, and we were playing inside the casino where they have like this this bar that's on top of. So here's the bar, and then like on top of it is the stage, right? So you're playing everybody that's out there gambling. You're not playing in a concert hall, and so it was a long ass gig. And so we're up there playing, and this guy comes up and he's like, he's like, "Hey man, you guys sound pretty good. We're." Uh, you know, we're loading in over here. Um, you know, do you know where the sound guy is for the building? And I said, I'm sorry, man, I don't. You know, he was here and he's gone. He's got a set and, you know, he's like, you guys going to stick around for the show tonight? I go, I didn't even know there was a show tonight other than us. And he goes, oh, yeah, no, we're playing in the auditorium next door. I go, okay, cool. And then it was, ended up being the bass player, the lead singer, bass player for, yeah. uh, for Monster Truck. And he's like, well, you're, you know, just take these and just, you know, whenever you guys are ready, just come backstage and we'll hang out. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. He acted like I knew who he was. I had no yeah. fucking clue. I, I didn't know. And so we go back there and I see these dudes in like jean jackets and it's kind of gnarly. I'm like, okay, well, these, you know, this is cool. These guys are good hang, good vibes and cool. And so we're standing on the side of the stage and they come out the 
I think uh, Sweet Mountain River. They come out the <laughs> come out the gate with Sweet Mountain River. Sweet Mountain River. I was like, what the fuck <laughs> is happening? I turned to my band. I was like, you guys suck. These <laughs> are horrible. You know, I was watching like shingles on the ceiling. They had like these all like different place shingles, and one of them just fell right the hell off during the sound check. And I was like, <gasps> like, oh my god. You know, so much sound, so much, and uh, <laughs> been a fan ever since, man. Yeah, yeah. There's some big the Shaman's Harvest is really cool, man. I think they're from Arkansas. Um, they've got a song called "In Chains" that's really good. Uh, the end of me. Um, God, man, there's so many. Um, but when I got turned on to them. I was like, man, this is cool, and I, you know, I kind of use some of that in the writing for this last record uh devil at my back door was a lot into that shame you know where, they're at? where they're from in arkansas i think no i just know they're from arkansas i think they're from Arkansas. they might be from southern missouri uh, i think about I'm it i'm on their There's webpage stuff right going on there too our last guests were uh this band called greasy tree out of jonesboro but they're closer to memphis and they're really good yeah um you know what? They could be Memphis. It's not saying on their, their homepage, at least. They did an interview, and I watched an interview with them, and then they were saying, I want, maybe it was like Southeast Missouri, in the corner there of like Arkansas, Missouri. Oh, yeah. One of the guys is from Jefferson City, Missouri. So, yeah, they're, they're Missouri here. Yeah. Just found it. That's good, though. Good, good rock and roll, man. Lots well, good. But yeah, they answer your question. Dallas, you know, back in the nineties, it was, it was, oh, I mean, Deep Ellum was just, that was where mm-hmm. you went Friday night, Thursday, Thursday night, fuck, Wednesday night through Saturday night. You could go there and see any rock band you wanted to. It was everywhere. And then the mayor came in and shut that shit down and it stopped. Mm-hmm. And that's where the decline started was when Deep Ellum went, it was a guttural blow to everything. And Fort Worth didn't have it at the time. Fort Worth, where West 7th is at now, the only thing they had was the rec room and Lola's, which was 6th Street Live. And these were just, you know, a couple bars versus the 20 you had over in Dallas. And so it's like, it didn't, you didn't really start seeing more live music come around until later on when the, when the West 7th district built up. So you have original bands that are playing down there and, it varies from country to singer songwriter to, to a few rock and roll bands. Um, and then you have, um, I think, man, I think it's really taken over. That sucks. It's the tribute bands. I mean, you're seeing them everywhere, mm-hmm. everywhere. And some of these guys are, he's like, well, yeah, man, I got like four different bands to play in. I'm in a Billy Idol tribute band. And, you know, it's like, who what why like you can sing and play like why aren't you guaranteed yeah. money and decent money it's probably what it is yeah. like, well i mean they're not making they're i know guys that are making less than what i'm i mean i mean we make 2500 a show in town you know and that pays for a full production light show the whole bit these guys are making like 600 bucks oh. and they're playing you know it's like what's the point now some of these guys like emerald city and some of these bigger bigger ones that play like the casinos and shit of course they're making like 25 to 5 you know, so it's like, well, okay. Yeah, I get that. 
you know what I mean? And and they're all in like their fifties, and it's it's like we're gonna throw on wigs and makeup and and have at it for a weekend. You know, we're all gonna walk with a thousand dollars, and we're good. Totally understandable. But it's the younger guys that are like mid thirties and down that I'm not understanding. I'm just like, you are just wasting your time here. <laughs> like, you know, and it's what they don't realize they're doing is it's a lot of stuff with BMI too and ASCAP that's that's really taking a shit on the venue so because these guys are coming in doing so many so much tribute music and they're filling up a night so let's say you know let's say you have a skid row tribute band unless then you have a poison tribute band all right well because poison's music is going to be played all night and skid row's music is going to be played all night and that's going to take up the majority of the night they could have played that on the jukebox and the band could have made money so instead bmi says well i'm gonna charge you extra for your music license because you got tribute bands in here mm-hmm. therefore canceling out the original bands that are coming in and there yeah. you have it i mean it's it's <clears throat> it's hard to it's hard to get a show you know and make so it was something. was deep ellum like the height the like the hate ashbury of dallas it, it was man it was i mean you still had you still got a few venues down there that are open and some new ones like twilight is open eight airs is still around the freeman trees Curtain Club shut down. Liquid Lounge is gone. Lizard Lounge is gone. Um, God, you had the, the big one, Gypsy Tea Room. That was so fucking awesome. I saw so many shows there. So why um, did that all get shut down? The mayor wanted, because it became like a really rough side of town. Okay. And it was like a lot of homeless were going there. But okay. you just had, I mean, these were all like, you just, oh, it was so good. It was like just metal bar, metal bar, rock bar, rock bar, rock bar, metal bar, bit just all the way down. And then you'd have these real chill areas down the centers. You'd have three streets, and then the one, the ones in the middle, every there'd just be really cool, like decorative places to go inside of. There were really dim lighting, and you know, it was just cool. It was a cool vibe. These were like some of the bars. If you didn't know where they were at, they didn't put a sign up. They just had a doorway, and you had to know what door you were going into. To you know, like if I said meet me at the pharmacy, there's no sign for the pharmacy. You would just go in and then there was another door. And when you pulled that as like a black room with red walls and, you know, uh, I'll be in the back corner and it just had a mystery vibe to it. And it was putting LA to shame there for a while for like really badass venues. It really was. And then they like the homeless came in and a bad reputation of people came in and murder started happening, theft. So the mayor came in and said, no more cleaning up streets. You know, we're going to put, you know, we're going to tear down a bunch of buildings. We're going to put in new apartments. We're going to turn this into classy living. And so that's what they did. And, uh, you know, it's, there's a lot of great bands that came, you know, Bowling for Soup came out of there. Uh, um, uh, Drowning Pool came out of there. Uh, Hellified Funk Crew. God, the list goes on and on, man. Um, 1100 springs 1100 springs uh i don't know if you've heard of those guys country western yeah. band that started out as a rockabilly band and i can remember being at a show at trees where uh matt hillier now he's like straight lace country you know what i mean straight as an arrow and now <laughs> but it still sounds like old school honky tonk like huh. hank singer kind of era and um he does really well out here, but I can remember a Matt Hillier drunk as shit on Jaeger getting on that stage. He goes, who here likes to lick ass? And then like, <laughs> fired, it, <laughs> fired into it. I was like, 
that's the guy I remember, man. <laughs> we had him. I used to do a podcast here, and I had him in on the podcast, and we were talking about it. And I was like, "So let's talk about your band Strap." <laughs> and he was like, <laughs> "Let's not talk about my band Strap." I was like, "Come on, man! People want to know what the hell was you know." I was digging into him, but uh, you know, like Bowling for Soup was the same way. They were. Wichita Falls band playing in Denton all the time, playing in Dallas. Uh, Seven Dust, you'd always see out in Dallas. You'd see Deftones out there. I mean, you were always seeing something big going on. And uh, then it just died off. And Denton was really kind of our saving, like, our hopeful, like, oh, please, please pick it back up. Because Denton had this potential in this college town because they had several different bars. And it was like, you could do this if you do this it's gonna save us you know and then they didn't and they only have like a few bars there that stuck with it like uh, dan silverleaf which is badass i went and saw mothership there and now the drummer from mothership plays with me and oh no kidding yeah so uh so it's just like what what do we do you know we can't go to oklahoma city they'll pay you nothing they will pay you they'll let you come play but you oh, will Tulsa. Kane's ballroom. Go to Tulsa, go to Kane's. That's it. And that's that's where you want to be at. And that's and that's honestly where I'm at with this whole thing is like I don't want to get in a van and go tour to every dive bar anymore. I've done that several times and it really gets you nowhere. You end up losing your ass on it. And by the time you get home, you're lucky to be either still with your girlfriend or married. One of the two, you know. So I don't want to kill myself doing that. I'm too old to do that. I'm interested in getting out and being a direct supporter opener for, you know, an up and coming band and, and doing that. And that's what we've been doing so far. And it works out great. You know, so our, our crowd varies from like 25 to 45. It's, okay. it, it's, that's that kind of spread. And so you're out, Brian. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> no. I, uh, I'll be out later this year. <laughs> october comes i'm yeah i'm hitting the big 4-0 october so but um i mean yeah it, it, it that was the kind of the the hell mary was was denton and then you know fort worth lately like has been you know it's just it's it's saturated with singer songwriters which is good which is great. I mean, because it gives everybody a place to play. But if you were going to pick a venue and actually promote the hell out of it, there's not a venue big enough to do that anymore. You know, you could do it at Lola's, but you can't really control it. Tease Bar and Grill in Louisville, which is supposed to be coming, becoming Louisville Live, it holds 508 and huge stage, huge light production, all bit. Now, there's a there's a place that has potential to be the next rock club i booked saliva in there a few months back friends with those guys and uh we did it we opened up for them and and we had a great show that was during covid so we were down to like 50 percent and couldn't you know but we should probably look at doing another one around halloween somewhere in there to to bring it back to you know with those guys but uh that place could definitely work you know there's a guy that gives you a solid guarantee versus, you know, your, your ticket sales or your door, you know, you could do 80, 20 splits, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So in the business side of it, you can, you can afford to pay your guys, right. Everyone's happy and you can keep, you keep your project going down the road, 
you know, I'm not asking to be a millionaire. I'm just asking to treat everybody with sure, respect sure. and pay them. You know what I mean? That kind of deal. So what about other places in Texas that can you tell us about like, like uh, Houston or Lubbock, or is there anywhere in the state that has love it? So Lubbock as a, as a pretty good scene, they've got, they've got a really good Texas music scene in general of good writers that come out of there. Uh, a lot of, a lot of country bands come out of there. Uh, William, William Clark Green, Flatland, Flatland Calvary, uh, a few others. Midland Odessa is the same way. That's a booming town for oil. So they've got some big venues there that you can go out and play. Houston is more on the hip hop side of things. So you're going to get more R&B and hip hop down towards Houston and Galveston. Uh, East Texas. I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) That's like when you're picking your gender on a deal. It just says, are you sure? Nope. I'm not sure. Check here. Like that, that thing doesn't know what it's doing over there. Because you hear about all sorts of different bands that come out of East Texas. And I think it's just crossed over from Louisiana and Arkansas, you know, all coming in. Sure. Sure. So, uh, um, so yeah, Texas is, it's different. It's not what it used to be. You know, it used to be about good blues, good Southern rock and roll, uh, good, good solid country music and that intertwined. And then it's gotten away from that in the last 20 years. And it's, it's a little sad because it needs to get back to where it was. But I also feel that way about America. Like, I feel like our country, we have lost what rock and roll was, you know, there's guys like us that understand it, Yep. but we got children growing up listening to crap, listening to absolute garbage. And, uh, and you put on a, steely dan record and they go what the fuck is you know these kids are looking at it weird like kid doesn't even know how to use a rotary phone and you think he's gonna like steely dan probably not you know my daughter's getting ready to turn 16 and she had me make her a playlist of like she's like dad will you make me a good rock playlist all the stuff out now is terrible i'm like so you know the zeppelin Guns and Roses, the Aerosmith, all the Black Crows. She's like loves the Black Crows, but I like the Black Crows too. But yeah, all that stuff, man. Because she like wanted to listen to the stuff that I listen to because she, I mean, there's not a lot of great stuff that at least she's exposed to. Right, right. Yeah, well, I mean, that's good. Thank God for that. Right. But there's <laughs> not a, there's not enough of those kids though. I know, I know. You a know? lot of young ones in the southeast, though. that's that's so let's yeah let's talk about that there's the rumor i'm hearing i'm hearing that in the in the east period east like i was told if i were to draw a line from the elbow of texas straight up to canada and go east that that would be where the rock scene is residing Mm -hmm. it seems like it i mean jason's from columbus but dayton ohio's got a lot going on and all these bands from kentucky edmonton glasgow I've heard yeah. of Evansville, Indiana, you know, and all these bands we've talked to Virginia from, you know, Magnolia Bayou down in Gulfport, Mississippi, and Framing the Red is from uh, Jackson, Mississippi, I believe, and just all Which these, that you know, spot Tennessee Champagne, Tyler Bright and Shakedown, yeah. Georgia Thunderbolts, like we mentioned earlier. Tyler Bryant's fucking awesome. He yeah. is awesome. Yeah. We, we had him Texas on the podcast too, in the so. fall. Yeah, Texas. Yeah. yeah. Good. There's a lot of young people on our Facebook that are just like, I can't believe there's that many young people that actually listen to good music, but I think might have to do something with their parents too. <laughs> yeah. 
It does. I mean, it does. Like, cause I mean, that's the stuff I play around with my kids. Now my daughter likes modern pop too, but like the rock stuff, so, you know, it's just. So true. man. <laughs> so, I took, I took my kids to see Blackberry smoke and the magpie salute my whole family a couple of years ago when they came to Columbus. I'm like, I'm going to go show you guys what rock and roll is Blackberry smoke and the magpie salute. We went. So before we get into the signal is, because why we're here, I want to ask you about one other Texas town of San Marcos that I've heard is supposed to. San Marcos, yeah, San Marcos. it's a good town. It's a good. It's it, it really is. It's made for music too, or um, yeah, mm. yeah, okay. I mean, depends. Uh, I'm trying to think of the other one that was uh, uh, out south of Abilene. Um, God, what is it? Uh, can't think of it. I was talking about it last night. There's some good music out there. The Blaine's Pub is out there, and the Concho Pearl House is out there. Uh, Abilene's finally starting to get more good music in, which is nice. Um, but yeah, San Marcos is nice, man. It's good. It's it, it's got a fluctuation of music going through there. So, but I mean, if you really do want to see good bands, Fort Worth is where it's at. All right. Any night of the week, I mean, you can go down to 7th Street, seven nights a week, they got music going on. So it's it's nice to see that back, you know, for once. Yeah. So let's talk about the single right back up. Is what yeah. we're here. What do you want to know? Oh, just like from idea to recording it to... ZZ Top bass with, uh, completely ZZ Top bass with, uh, with Huey Lewis saxophone. <laughs> that was the idea. I want to write a song like this. I want to. I want to do a Lagrange sounding. Yeah, you know, grungy. I want my amp to sound like it's gonna fucking explode. You know, um, I mean, God, we used like four different amps on that thing all at once. It was. We used a PV fifty one fifty, a Fender Hot Rod Deville, a, a Fractal AX eight pedal, which I'm gonna get shot for saying that because. Uh, everyone's like against them and i'm like it's a pedal board i plug it in and it's the same tone every time yep. <laughs> you know um i think we used a mesa 412 with an orange head and it was just you know i was gonna say those are all powerful amps this wall over here was just shaking <laughs> and there's a whole nother room over here that have we have like completely uh studioed out it's all with gik acoustics in there and none the right way and that in the room was just shaking but uh you know we had renee azuna play saxophone on this song and uh break my heart which we released a few months back uh another great song um but uh I just wanted I wanted to do something like that. And you know, a lot a lot of this record, you know, as we started seeing it come together, you know, a lot of these other songs we recorded, we already have recorded, and, and it was these out of it that I was just like, man, it's it's we've been down. And the way I was looking at it was we've been down through COVID, we've been home, we've been secluded, we've you know, we're quarantined. And what did you watch the whole time? on social media and it was constant acoustic slow songs constant at least on my feed it was just one after the next mm-hmm. after the next and it was like i had an idea in my head for lyrics and i wanted to do that and uh 
and I had the song, you know, the lyric right back up. I wanted to use that. And, but I wanted to, you know, talk about like a girl that you can't get rid of. Like you go out to the bar and you meet her and she takes you out and like takes you for the proverbial ride. And you go down to the, you know, down to the river with her and you guys are getting hot and heavy. And then she steals your car while she, while you're taking a piss, you know, and then <laughs> see her at the bar later on. And she's so hot. You're just like, dude. She gives me another chance. I'll throw her a fucking toaster, you know, what I mean? like, like one of those deals. So, um, you know, she knocks you down you get right back up kind of deal. But, uh, you know, uh, everyone's that's my view on it. But a lot of people have you know come to me and they're like, man, it's just such a positive song right now because it's like we're we're coming right back up and getting out of this situation. And they, they're they not, you know, listening totally what i'm saying i'm probably ruining it right now so they're gonna read the lyrics and go oh that's what that song talked about that girl's a slut (laughs) (laughs) uh but uh you know we started putting all the ideas together on that and it just it came together really nice i wanted a meat and potatoes drummer and michael ross fitch is just that and uh ruben salazar on bass is he's a his his you know he's all over the place on that thing he's like a lead guitar player on bass and you know just just all over and uh and then me on guitar and then sax and threw some harmonies on there and called it a day and uh i remember when i was mixing it down i was like holy shit this thing is rocking you know like this is it was just hitting me out of these speakers and i was like damn dude i was mixing these drums down and everything and and um so yeah it felt really good it felt good and the rest of the record kind of just all fell into place with it so but it's one of my favorite songs and it's been also one of the favorite songs with johnny cooper and i actually started playing that tune i like wrote it on acoustic then him and i played it forever in sidecar for for two years we've been playing this song and then i was thinking of ideas of how we're going to form it with the band you know what I mean? How are we going to do that? How am I going to take this from acoustic to band? And then I started thinking, I was like, I want that guitar sound. And I want this. I want the drummer. And, you know, and then we just, just finally put it all together. But on acoustic, it was just like, I have a kick drum, a digital kick drum pad. So, you know, hitting that as I was doing it and playing a chunky rhythm on top. Johnny's playing bass to it. And then we're singing harmonies. And so I didn't loop it and do like a lead riff over it. I just played through and the crowd always dug that tune and it just got a good rhythm to it. And so then, like I said, then we got in the studio and put it all together. It's just, it's been a lot of fun, man. That song and every song we've done, has been a blast and I can't wait to get in here and start recording more because uh, we got one song called rock and roll in a dream. That's fucking sick. And uh, I can't wait to do that one. It sounds good. Acoustic. It sounds good. Electric, you know, uh, but yeah all of them all of them were fun man but right back up is definitely was a good one to release to to the to the masses uh not to say that break my heart wasn't but you know we released break my heart and dance with me and into the dark and uh i even did a standalone uh called gun in my hand that was a lot of fun and i did all that right here in this room just chunking away had the guitar mic'd up and plugged in and i was doing digital pads on my keys down here and you know 
trying all sorts of things. I was like, yeah, well, I'll just release that as a single. <laughs> you know, <laughs> didn't even think about it. Didn't even uh, didn't even do anything. Just like, ah, we're just going to let the load that and just there it goes off to the world. And I was like, oh, people listen to this song. People are requesting the song that shows now, you know, and I had to relearn it. But um, yeah, man, right back up was a lot of fun. And I think you guys are going to really dig the record itself when it comes yeah, for up. sure and when's the when are you releasing the record again may 14th may 14th all we right. should have a pre-save link we'll be putting in all the socials this week i gotta do right. a bunch of uh, you know promo videos and whatnot this week and get everything out but um yeah well we should have a pre-save link this week you're gonna have physical copies like vinyl cds or just all digital you know Paige and i talked about that and down here nobody really buys cds and so what we're waiting on is Liz is working very hard uh, to get us a tour set up. And so we're trying to get out East. And um, I know that we're doing some shows in Sturgis in August, August 13th and 14th. So we're trying to route out to that and route back. Um, a lot of the festivals, God bless them, are, you know, they're coming back. But at the same time, they're upholding to the contracts that they have with the bands in the previous year before. Sure, sure. That's right? So that's awesome. And I, that makes me want to work with them, even though I got to wait another year to get back on that tour. Right. Still good that they're upholding that. And so um, we're not going to do the pay to play thing. We're not going to do the, you know, I'll pay this agent five grand to put us on tour with so-and-so for 50 shows or whatever. We're not going to do that. You know, it's, let the music speak for itself so i think the the goal this year for the rest of this year is to keep putting out music keep playing shows take what comes at us uh we've got some good ones booked uh we're gonna update the calendar this next week and get uh like the texas live for may 28th or 29th released and we got may 28th at broncos and then we got the ufo festival coming up and ufo uh, festival is that like roswell new mexico roswell yeah yeah figures yeah july July 4th weekend uh we'll be there july 3rd no we'll be there july 2nd and then we'll be in uh lubbock on july 3rd then july 4th we'll be back down here at lake whitney for the creek fishers rowdy fourth and so um you know it's just we got some good shows good but we got enough time to make this thing stick so that by the time 2022 rolls around, you know, we've got 10 singles that have been released to the radio and the public that are going, you know, hopefully they take off. I'd like to think they would, you know, but um, we've had a good reaction from right back up. And I think people are eager to see more. Yeah. So. I think we're winding down and there's this part of the show where Jason likes to ask a couple of random questions in a speed round. If you got time for us. Yeah. What's up. All right. Take a deep breath, man, because, you know, <laughs> don't overthink these questions or the answers. First thing that comes to your mind, right? These are, yeah. these are speed round. All right. What is the best place to eat in Fort Worth? Texas Day Brazil or H3 Saloon Stockyards. Is there a specific meal that's better than the other? No. Okay. No. <laughs> They're both great places to eat. What's that's your favorite cool. bit? Go ahead. That, that's a hard one because there's there's this ton of, of really good it's it's the yeah. meat steak I mean, right steak i'm not exactly uh you know <laughs> I'm, I'm over here going i like food so <laughs> you're not ordering the salads is that what you're telling us yeah that's my wife I'm, <laughs> just stay in there um what's your favorite venue in fort worth play 
I would say right now it's it's definitely a tease. It's not in Fort Worth. It's in Louisville. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, the greater area. Yeah, the greater area. Uh, Bedford Ice House is good. Boomer, all the Boomer Jacks locations are great. Uh, Mule Barn and Justin. But uh, tease is awesome. Uh, Lava Cantina in the Colony is another good one. Yeah. What is your favorite venue you've ever played anywhere? Uh, ever. Um. I'm going to go with the Hacienda Ranch in Midland, Odessa. Uh, played with Aaron Lewis here, Mike, Brett Michaels, Poison Warrant. We, we played with Ooh. a bunch of older bands, played yeah. with new bands. But what a stage. I think it's like eight foot to 10 foot tall, first of all. Wow. So if you're standing at the base of it, you're just looking straight up. So if you got, yeah. if you got a front row, it's not the greatest place to be, you know, but it holds 3000 people. And every time we play there, it's just been a sea of people. Um, that's my favorite place to play, but my favorite show. I don't know if that was going to be a question would sure. definitely last summer. We set, we set a record here in Texas and this, this let me know how bad people are craving rock and roll. Uh, there's a festival that goes on called rednecks with paychecks and it's <laughs> awesome awesome deal you go to google put in rednecks with paycheck spring 2021 or 22 and you'll go why why haven't i why didn't i know about this you know um it is literally just monster trucks and people with atvs getting hammered and driving around all over the place and girls running around half naked and just it's crazy well we played and opened up for cody west and sony the rue which are two pretty good sized names here in texas and we ended up being the first band in 15 years history of rwp to draw over six thousand people as the opening act and hold them for the entire show and then after we got off that dispersed down to three grand then when sony got up it dispersed down to about 1500 and so that was that was back last year uh during covid and that was during COVID. We drew that big. Right. Job. And then wow. uh, here recently, they did the spring of it. We played in the fall. Then they did another one in the spring. I had an even bigger headliner. And we still hold the record. So it was really cool. It looked like Vans Warped Tour out there. People are getting on stage and crowd surfing and going nuts. And I was just like, this is awesome. Yeah. Thank Rednecks God. with paychecks yes god bless it i have to remember that all right what is the first album you ever bought or were given first album i ever bought girls girl well it was given to me girls 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 molly crew what was your favorite song off that album? girls 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 all right <laughs> i mean it was, i was a kiddo my sister bought it for me i got it for christmas and i was like this is my first record this is my first tape you know and uh yeah that was that was it and then of course i found out the entire tape is awesome yeah hell yeah well true like you know yeah. how could it not be uh and then the first one that i bought uh if i'm one i think it was uh um it was a vinyl because we had a vinyl player there at the house so my first <laughs> record that i bought with my own money was double trouble it was a oh, vinyl yeah record. Yeah, I still, I think I still got that. Freaking classic. Oh, yeah. What's the first concert you ever went to? <laughs> by mis- by meaning to or by mistake? No, the first concert that you ever went to. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> uh, I was like seven, right? My dad was doing a car show down at the 
uh, Will Rogers Auditorium. Okay. And next door, they have like the arena. And me and my buddy Bobby snuck out of the car show and went down and we were we were skateboarding and playing around out in the parking lot. And we saw these people going in this back door and we opened the back door and found it was like a, what is now I know is a backstage. And we went skating down the hallway and we started hearing this music and it's really loud. It's going nuts and everyone's going crazy. And then we somehow made our way around the side and the door and like one of the bouncers was like, where'd your kids come from? And like, you know, we're like, and he's like, there's no way you guys just got in here alone. Like you're with somebody. And like, he just put us on the side of the stage and it was rat. Yeah. <laughs> nice. yeah. yeah. What year was that? You remember? Oh my God. Well, I was born in 81. So I was like seven years old. So. Okay. So they were still like viable at that point. Yeah. You know? right. Okay. Yeah, right course, on. We were just kids. Like what the fuck is rat? <laughs> yeah, man. I like, I like a lot of rat stuff like way cool junior, man. That's a, that's got a little brute loosey rip it to was, it. To be totally honest, it was rat and uh, 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 white snake, not white. Okay, snake. no, yeah, great white, white. great white. That's what I'm trying to say. Great white, white, white lion, white, white snake, and then rat. Right? Yeah, those yeah. three. Yeah, I yeah. saw that too. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> awesome. All right, cool. Yeah. What's the first concert that you ever meant to go to? How's that? Uh, Master uh, uh, Metallica. Okay. At, uh, it was uh, my first massive concert. It was out of Texas. Uh, the Starplex in Dallas. Which tour was that? I couldn't tell you. I mean, they did. They were doing. It was like right before Load. Oh, okay. so there's some the Black Album. They were still on the Black Album. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What is the favorite band you've ever opened for? Ooh, um, man, I'm I'm gonna go with Aaron Lewis, just because it was such a good show, and that was even when he was doing his country stuff, and it was still it was just so much fun. You know, and it was just a good hang with his band and, and, and all the guys, you know, just hanging out. Right on. You know, I mean, we played with a lot of bands. We played with, I mean, Theory with Dead Man, Nickelback, Chevelle, 30 Seconds to Mars. Like, we played with a lot of big names. With Jared Leto, huh? Or Jared yeah. Leto, or whatever you said, man. Actually, yeah. on that show, that was at Kane's Ballroom, and he got sick and didn't come out and didn't perform. So it was really? just, it was just uh, us, Headroom, and, and, um, and Chevelle that night. Huh. Well, I'll be. Okay. Um, if you could play with any band throughout history for one night, who would it be? Like you performing with them, not opening for them with. I'd say ZZ Top. Okay. Yeah. Be the fourth member of ZZ Top. I like it. Say so I'd like to be the second guitar player. Yeah. You know. You do that. All right. Are you a Fender or a Gibson guy? Or neither. I am a Paul Reed Smith guy. Okay, PRS. Well, you know. Yeah. Okay. I like strats. I do like strats. I like them in the studio, but for what I do on stage and my big ass giving a beating on the guitar, <clears throat> nothing holds up like my car McCarty or the custom twenty two. Okay, the I was gonna ask you which one are you playing? Custom twenty two McCarty. Yeah. Okay. The McCarty, you can get the strat sound out of it. You can pop the pickup up, knock it down a single coil, and you get that fast strat sound out of it. Does it have a wide does the McCarty have like the wider neck on it? Huh? It's like a Gibson. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. You're, you're, right. you're literally getting the best of all worlds. You're getting the Paul Reed feel along with the neck feel grab on the low part of your your strat, but on the high part of it, you're getting your uh you're getting your Gibson feel. And then yeah. there's that little turn in it. So it just it feels really like I have big hands, so it 
I, I can grab this thing and play. It just looks like a fucking toothpick on me. <laughs> I don't care. I'm a six, seven, three eighty five. So damn, <laughs> yeah. you can't tell when you're sitting down. Yeah, I know. I know. So yeah, it looks like a toothpick. But yeah, no, no shit. If they would make one that looked like a three thirty five or something like that, I'd, I'd buy it. You know. Yeah, they they only have they do have like a semi hollow body, but it's still that same body size or shape, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Are you a sports fan? Uh, not not in the last few years. Okay, no. I was going to say, do you have a favorite sports team? Being from Texas. Uh, well, it was Cowboys until. Until, until it was cowboys. <laughs> until it was cowgirls. I grew up in Cincinnati, man. I like the Reds and the Bengals, so I don't rip on anybody for the choices. I gotta say though, I uh, I always secretly rooted for the Kansas City Chiefs, and then now right. now you get to see them watch them doing. Well, real. you have family from there, right? Kansas yeah. City, yeah, yeah. yeah the, the dad side of the family was it dad side or mom side. Dad side, dad yeah. side. Yep, with that cool bar. Mm-hmm. The Bear Claw. The Bear Claw. Mm-hmm. Do you have a go-to streaming concert either on YouTube or somewhere else that you've just been playing a lot sort of this downtime with COVID? Dude, uh, I got a music video I've been watching a lot during it of a band that I think is just incredible to watch. And they just ever so creative. It's not something I would normally listen to, but um, Bring Me the Horizon is awesome to watch. Mm Mm-hmm. And to listen to you know how they're putting everything together, but they have one that's um, live at Alberta Hall, and it's a song called "Doomed." And holy shit, like <laughs> huge orchestra, choir, like massive bells and chimes, all this stuff going on. And then you have this band that comes out and it just hits this metal song. And you're just like, oh my god, dude, like. This is what Metallica was trying to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> they never really achieved it. And then this band's just like, Pew! yeah. So yeah, I, I watched that quite a bit through COVID. Um, and then there was just some stuff on online, just buddies of mine that were playing shows and out of their house. And I'd sit there and watch that, you know, yep. it was a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, kind of, I think a lot, a lot of people have gone to YouTube or somewhere else just to see, concerts during yeah. i know i've been watching a shit ton of stuff i sort of have my totally specialist but i figure people who are musicians are probably doing the same thing yeah okay um seeing seeing on the streaming conversation give us a recommendation of a good series or movie on a streaming service a good movie or stream yeah or like a series like something like on oh, the, uh, netflix or hulu or amazon i'll give you one uh okay watch start there's three of them uh watch uh sir no face then watch two-face the gray and then watch phantom rider they're all three tied together okay are they movies or like tv it's a, shows the docuseries oh is it netflix it's on netflix okay yeah it's on, it's it, on amazon prime too what's it about it's well, I'm a huge paranormal nut, so uh, it's since uh, the UFO festival, and yeah, <laughs> right. So it's uh, it is it's it's the best of both sides. And the guy that does it, uh, I do a lot of booking for him. His name's Chad Kalick, but he uh, he, he's got something cool there, really cool. 
All right. I'll definitely check that out. And then I said, don't watch Vikings. If you're listening to this podcast, because uh, it was the biggest Vikings. fucking letdown of COVID. It was bigger <laughs> than losing family. All right. That's it was what the fuck just did you guys watch it? No. Was that the one either like the history channel or something? It was like a scripted show, right? Yeah, it was uh, Vikings. It was it was kind of like Game of Thrones, but Vikings. Yeah, it was only supposed to be two seasons long and then they dragged it out for ten. And uh, the ending was so horrible that I, I almost punched the wall. I was so <laughs> mad. I can't believe I just wasted my life. But when they stretch stuff out past where the story really goes, it becomes uh-huh. terrible, you know? Yeah, but that's not, I mean, you, there's a million other ways you could have ended it. You don't end it like that. It was, I mean, it was horrible. Oh, man, don't watch it. Don't. I respect a lot of British TV series because they're like, we're going to make the series and it's only going to be so many episodes or seasons. They hold to that no matter how popular it is. And when it's done, it's done. I also watch a lot of stuff on YouTube. Like uh, these guys, there's, there's these dudes. These guys are crazy. They tour the world. They get, they, they picked up some sponsors to pay for all their flights and everything. And they just take a DSLR camera and go out and explore these abandoned mansions and houses and, hmm. uh, you know castles and they they kind of they're not the brightest dudes in the world because they have no idea really what they're talking about they're just doing it for the youtube but it's cool to watch i can watch it on mute all day oh no no Um, kidding yeah just to see what these guys are looking at because they go through like a bunch of stuff in france and this and that and and it's pretty pretty amazing what they're seeing like some of the the one was in japan and this guy was going through like it was three different mansions this guy had just he was like a drug lord or something in japan and he just skipped town but he left all his shit in the mansion it's all there and it's just tons of gold statues (laughs) crazy stuff going on and it's just like oh my god dude like what kind of money does someone make to own this gigantic fucking huge just you guys gotta see it okay yeah. that i'm definitely intrigued by that that's it's yeah. like mtv abandoned cribs yeah <laughs> pretty much yeah with a really shitty host <laughs> like look at this beautiful ceiling and the architecture it's so beautiful if you drank every time he said beautiful you'd be fucking hammered in two minutes i'm not kidding he totally turned a drinking game out of that totally yeah all right. Lastly, and you've told a couple of good stories already, but tell us just a, a good story from your life as an entertainer. So it could be something good, it could be something bad. I mean, you told us the Nugent stuff. What really sticks out in your mind if you had to tell somebody a good story about your experience? All right. All right. This is a good one. Okay. Uh, so, damn it. This guy's blowing me up. Jesus. <laughs> I'm on a podcast, jerk. You're on the best Southern Rock and Blues podcast. Right. Son of a bitch get the note uh, <laughs> uh this is a good one. okay i was playing this place down in walnut springs texas and it's called flint creek ranch and it's a hunting ranch right for big white tail buck hunting and so uh i belonged to the mersky family at one point and mike and jackie mersky had me out to do this deal and it has like a a big lodge beautiful lodge and then it's got what looks like a motel that goes down and wraps around like an l shape and then in the corner of that there's a there's a lake out here and then there's a big patio that looks out over the lake so all the hunters go out and they go hunt 
And then at the end of the weekend, I would play an acoustic show for them out there, set up PA and live whole thing. There will only be like 50 of them, but it's all like extremely wealthy of the wealthy. Like, I think the cheapest buck out on that property was like 2,500 bucks. So like you paid $1,500 to go hunt and then they would like, you'd side in on a, a buck and then they would like look through the scope to see the tag on it and look up on an iPad and be like, okay, well that was 20, that was 20 grand. You know, it's like, you want it? Yep. I want it. And they'd kill it. And then they would stuff it and take all the meat and everything. And then, you know, and so they'd come back from hunting and I was playing Well, they were all drinking moonshine one night and it was a bunch of them. And it was like Dr. Booth, the ice, the LASIK eye care guy. And it was like the owner of Nikon was there. And these guys are shit faced shit falling on themselves. Shit faced. And they had been drinking just clear, clear as day moonshine. And, um, I had partaken pretty much into that moonshine and I was getting pretty lit and this towards the end of my show. And I hear two of them like bantering back and forth, arguing about the boulder that's out there on the, on the water, on the lake. And it's this big, huge rock and they stand up on it to go fishing off of. And it was like, he's like, I bet if you took two pounds of Tannerite and put on top of that thing, you could blow that thing to smithereens crumble it and the other guy was like well, i think it only takes one gallon of tannerite and then like jackie chimed in she was like well you guys are too piss poor drunk to hit shit right now there's no way you're hitting that tannerite and he goes well let's have justin do it we'll just we'll take bets on it we can give him three shots see if he can hit two gallons of tannerite and so mike's like all right fuck it you know and so he goes down and gets like <laughs> he's got a ton of it and he puts it all into these containers and gets exactly two gallons of tannerite and stacks them on top of the uh one big container stacks it on top of the rock and then hands me uh an ar-15 with nights like night sight on it and so i lay down on the ground and i am drunk as shit just trying to get down to the ground like i'm stumbling off the stage my ass is numb because i've been sitting on a stool for three hours playing guitar and now you want me to shoot tannerite in the dark with a holographic sight that's moving around as my drunk ass is trying to find the center and um these guys have got the bet up to like 10 grand like now we're, we're up to like ten thousand, and he's like if he hits it on the first one you know i i I'd, I'd put another 10,000 on if he hit the, he hit it on the first one. If he don't hit it on the first one, we'll give him on the second for like 15 and then we'll get down to 10. And I was like, what's, hey, what assholes? What's my cut on this? <laughs> and they were like, they all kind of look at each other. We're like, we'll give you 20%. I was like, fuck you. Give me, I'm doing all the work. Like, I was like, give me half. And he's like, okay, well, all right, well, I'll give you half. Wow. And I was like, okay, cool. So if it's 20 grand, I'm getting 10. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, all right, cool. And so, I sighted in on this thing and I was like trying to, trying to aim and I went to pull just, you just squeeze the trigger. You don't pull it. You just squeeze that trigger in. And I realized that the safety was on. I was like, shit, all that time was wasted. Well, Mike, what these guys found out later on, Mike was standing over in the other barn that you couldn't see. And he had a sniper rifle, uh, uh, a, a, a Mossberg 50 cal. All right, and with uh, with a night vision on, right. like a legitimate, actually, like he has no, he's gonna peg this, no problem. He's waiting for me to pull the trigger so he can pull the trigger, and so I finally get the the deal turned up, and I pull the trigger. I totally miss. I saw it hit the rock and skip, but. (laughs) 
he pulled the trigger right after so i was like like this big explosion and then it hit he hit the tannerite and that fucking boulder disintegrated (laughs) and there was stone falling down on top of us and these guys were so drunk that they couldn't tell that it was mike that hit it not me and they're like here's your ten thousand dollars <laughs> son of a bitch i can't believe you hit it like that and then like a month later mike was like you guys know that i was the one that took that shower right you just tipped him ten thousand dollars that night <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's that was a good story because that story still still gets talked about in certain circles I like that it does we go shoot some tannerant and blow shit up i'm like hell yeah you know. i just like the guy with the sniper rifle was off to the side yeah. just waiting to do it yeah, here I am with a you know fifteen hundred dollar gun, and here's the guy over here with a you know six thousand dollar gun. <laughs> it's like gigantic. Have you seen a Mossberg fifty cal? That thing's fucking. Oh huge. yeah, uh huh. That's the shells on it are like the size of my hand. Shoot people through a wall with those. Things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then another wall, and then another wall. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit! So that was a good one. We yeah, have not had it. We have not had an explosive story yet. We've had. Uh, orgies and fist fights and all sorts of stuff. And this is our first explosive one, so that's good. You're the you, I love it. Carrying on the Nugent dream, bro. <laughs> you really are. <laughs> uh, all right, Justin, where do we go to listen to your music, get your stuff, see your videos? Yeah, man, justinrossmusic.com. It has all my socials on there. We just updated the calendar for April. We're going to be updating it for the rest of the year as we get some more contracts in this week. Uh, come through you- Ohio, man. I'll come see you absolutely we're we're working all over that uh, i know liz has talked about ohio several times so we are working on that and then um uh all the socials are in there so you got uh justin ross fw is in fort worth underscore for facebook and justin ross fw for instagram yep and um you can find our links on there if you're on clubhouse I'm what, on what is clubhouse. clubhouse i hear club what is clubhouse <laughs> clubhouse is awesome all right so yeah. you can be doing this right here right now right yeah but you can be running either one of y'all can be running the audio off of this until let's say like a bus or a send and you run into your iphone and you run you open the app clubhouse because it's only for uh ios right now mm-hmm. and so there's there's you're a moderator and you're starting a pot so you two would be moderators and then people you tag will come in that room or that follow you on instagram or your twitter and they'll come into that room and listen to your podcast as you're doing it, oh, right? Like a live show. They have the questions. They raise their hand, and then you can bring them up to the stage to talk. And then once they say, thank you so much for your question, and then you bump them back down the stage. Huh. And I can right. Sounds like that together thing that's going on. Yeah. So and you can pull it. You know, you can. There is a way to where you can mimic it to pull it up on the screen. So, like in this bottom left corner, you could have the you know another screen up here, and then you could see the people from TikTok. So we got a question on our TikTok uh, Clubhouse. You know, we got a question from so and so on Clubhouse, and then you can see their little name. It like lights up when they talk. You know, and hmm. so it's really cool. That's actually how I met Paige. I got into a room with a bunch of booking agents and friends, and they were all talking. And I was listening to her, and she's like, "I pretty much book anybody." I was like, "Well, okay, well, take the Pepsi challenge. Let's do this." You know, so. Yeah, right. yeah, for sure. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. Thank man. you. Yeah, thank you, Justin Ross, for being our guest this week on uh, the All Things Blues and Southern Rock podcast. Uh, the single out now is called Right Back Up, and the new record comes out when exactly? And what's the title? May 14th, and the title of the record is called Into the Dark. Right on, right on. Yeah. The okay. brand new cover art just chosen through Instagram. Yes, yes, finally. 
so thank you again, Justin. If you just got a couple minutes after we get done rolling, just to say extra thanks, we appreciate that. Yeah, man, you got it. All right, we just got done uh, talking to Justin Ross. Um, one thing I wanted to mention is, you know, of course, we always hear the song Deep Ellen Blues. You know, we, you know, Blackberry Smoke plays that at times with different guests and, you know, J.D. Simo up there and Greg Martin and Scotty Bratcher. They've all played that song with them. Chris Robinson has come up and sang that song with them. And it's like, wow. It's Billy Gibbons. Yeah. It's like, what's up with that song? You know, and then you find out that Deep Ellen was like a really groovy kind of, uh, you know, you know, place to see some a lot of great music there in the dallas fort worth area and now it kind of sounds like it's not so much that anymore it's not i think it's you know it's gone sounds gone which is sad because that's such a classic song yeah that and apparently austin too is you know kind of well it's probably you know getting corporate i think we heard that i don't know if it's tyler bryan or somebody else told us like the austin scenes becoming oversaturated and kind of corporate and yeah. It's lost that that independence and that luster and stuff that it used to have. I guess probably what you've probably seen a little bit in Nashville as well, too. And now the door the, the, the Dallas Fort Worth area is starting to pick up some of that slack, it sounded like. Yeah. And we said in the intro, you know, it sounds like Fort Worth is if you know if you're gonna go and try to find some things going on, that's where to go. Yep. So what did you kind of learn from our, our buddy Justin? Man, you know, I just, and once again, it's like when we're going into a chat and talking to someone that we don't know, or we, well, we don't know anyone before we meet them in the chat, but someone who we're not as familiar with is a better way to say it. It's like, okay, how is this going to go? Like what, you know, and, and he was another one that just like, boom, captivated, just like. Very charismatic, good storyteller, like very personable. It's like you're friends with them right off the bat. Just really easy to chat. Oh, with. for sure. Yeah. I mean, just like, hey, you know, how'd you get started in music? And then that's it. You don't need another question. That's it. <laughs> and those are the great guests who do that, who know how to start, have really tell a story and we can sort of guide them along, but they don't really need our help. And that's always great to listen to the people and, and see kind of hear what they're telling us. And uh, as you guys heard, you know, he had a similar experience as our, our friends in uh, Southern Governor with one Mr. With the Nugent. Yeah. With the Nugent clan. I guess He's you know, you've got to catch those guys on the Gene right day. Simmons. <laughs> if you ever run into Gene Simmons and Ted Nugent at the same time, Ryan, I don't know how you're going to answer that. Well, I, you know, there's not a freaking room big enough for those two egos. <laughs> <laughs> although if they were on survivor island you know ted would win because i don't think gene's got well he can hunt wilderness take care of skills. Yeah, right. yeah i think i think ted would outlast <laughs> outlast a lot of us uh, oh, no matter what sure. i like to hear justin's story he got he was a guy who got started young you know uh family was in the music and mom could sing dad could play guitar a little bit got into that started playing at 15 or guitar younger than that, but started playing out at 15. Yeah. Went off Amazing. to college in Oklahoma, decided that wasn't for him, had a band with the dudes he met. They played a bunch of years and kind of progressed to, to where he is now. And um, what's really nice is he's extremely satisfied with what he's doing. And like, he's very happy with recording with the music he's making now under his own, um, under his own rules, right? Like he's his own guy and he's just, happy to get out there he wants people to hear the music and like you know it, it's kind of refreshing to hear it what was cool is like he you know and i was listening to some of his early stuff and it, i'm like this sounds like really like country you know mm-hmm. country 
country <laughs> rock and he came out and told us right you know they were pressured to do that they're yep, he did not and like he it. gave that the middle finger and said no we're not doing that crap anymore we're going to do what we want to do right and that's, oh man that's, i got the utmost respect for him for doing that and he didn't like that album cover because it was cliche and <laughs> generic and i i looked at it and it was <laughs> And I hope you guys all enjoyed the explosive uh, tour story, the tour experience story, blowing up big boulders. You know, again, that's why we asked that question, because we never know what the answer is going to be. And it's always interesting. And that was definitely that was definitely up there in terms of like surprising of what I heard. And yeah, we were surprised to hear that, but you won't be surprised to hear this. And that's that always remember Southern Rock is reverent and blues is blood. We'll see you next time. Tell me, baby. Oh, what do you want? Let's head down there to the water, honey, and do the things that we both want to. Oh, now, child. Oh, take me down there, look to the riverside Holding on to the dark, I've been holding on to tired And now I'm watching your red tail lights oh, Disappear over the hill Take me down, 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 baby
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.